0: Right. everybody's just making their way out there temperature about right for everybody everybody good thumbs up all right too hot it's too hot a little too hot maybe maybe we can adjust that heat a wee bit i know it's it's a little little warm up here as well all right let's uh let's pray and then we're going to jump right into our message this morning got a lot to cover and uh want to want to get moving on that so let's go to the lord in prayer Father, we are grateful this morning to be in your presence this Lord's day. Lord, recognizing that it is nothing that we have deserved to be here, that it's all by your grace and by your mercy. We praise you this morning, Father, for being the everlasting one, the one who has all glory and whom all glory is to be given to. Lord Jesus, we would pray this morning that you would really be preeminent in our thoughts as we preach the word, Holy Spirit, we ask because you are the comforter that you would comfort those in need of comfort, that you would encourage those who need encouragement, and because you are the convictor of our souls that you would convict those who are in need of conviction. We pray, God, that people would understand your great love for them. And Father, that you would move through your spirit today as only you're able to do. Peel back the scales from our eyes, remove the wax from our ears, Soften our hearts, O oh Lord, this morning, that we may see your word. I pray, God, that you would help every soul that is here this morning and those who are listening on Facebook. Father, that we could set everything aside and that we could focus on you for your purpose and for your glory. And we ask all of this in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. All right, you can turn your Bibles to Revelation chapter 21. We're going to pick up in verse 9, and we're going to cover all the way through Revelation chapter 22 and verse 5. We have this Sunday, and then we probably have two more Sundays of Revelation, and that puts us right at a year of traveling through this book together, and it has been a blessing uh, to, to preach through this. Man, it, it is, is. Does it sound like I'm in a drum out there, or does it sound okay? Yeah, it kind of sounds like we're in a drum, definitely up here. Uh, So, let me just kind of rehash for us. Last week, we kind of opened up the message with the fact that Christians should be more focused on heaven than they are on earth. I was sitting down with a young man this week and and just uh, expressing him. As a matter of fact, it was yesterday talking with him, and I said, you know, I'm, I'm six and a half decades into this life, and that is such a short period of time compared to eternity. That eternity we have really no way to even grasp that concept right now and yet that is where we are going to be every person will spend eternity somewhere you will either spend eternity in the eternal presence of the Lord or you will spend eternity separated from God in what the Bible says eternal torment so we really want to focus on eternity more than we do this world paul tells us this in first thessalonians five eighteen. he says in everything give thanks for this is the will of god in christ jesus concerning you and you say well jim what in the world does that have to do this morning with eternity and revelation well the reason i quote that scripture is because certainly 2020 and now leading into 2021 uh, has made us very aware that our health is really temporal I mean, if anything, the coronavirus has has taught us is that there's no one who is exempt. I said from the very beginning, if you haven't gotten it, you will get it at some point uh, because you just can't escape those things. It's sickness, it's disease, and sickness and disease have been here since Adam and Eve violated God's law and it brought what is called sin into the world, and sin and disease is part of that curse from rebelling against God. It has also shown us that Human institutions are fragile, simple, temporal, every one of those things. Haven't we seen this over the last year or two as we've watched the political landscape just like a landslide fall and see the upheavals that continually go up and down? I'm thankful for those things. And you say, well, why in the world would you be thankful for those things? Because it helps me focus more on heaven than ever before. It helps me realize that this life is so short and that I really need to be thinking about where I'm gonna spend eternity more than about this day. So this morning we want to continue our focus on heaven by looking at a heavenly city called the New Jerusalem. We talked about this last week a little bit. You remember it's not not the Jerusalem that is right here, right now. It's not gonna be the Jerusalem of the millennial kingdom. It's gonna be the New Jerusalem that comes down out of heaven. Jesus said that telling his disciples, and really by extension us, he told his disciples, listen, I don't want your hearts to be troubled. He says, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And that place that he is going to prepare for us is the new Jerusalem. It is the heavenly city that is one day going to come down and rest on this earth. So that is the place that, that he has for us. John 14 verses 1 through 3 tell us that. It is the place that you and I, if we are followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, will spend eternity in that place. Well, this morning's message, we're gonna investigate a more detailed description of that city. And in the description, we see the following points. We're gonna see a descending city. In other words, we're gonna see a city coming down out of heaven, and then we're gonna see a a distinct design for that city. And then finally, we're gonna look at a divine life of that city. So a descending city, a distinct design, and then a divine life in that city. In verses 9 through 10, is where we'll take a look at the descending city. Let's read that together of chapter uh, 21. And uh, let me find it in my own scriptures. So, yeah. And there came unto me one of the seven angels, which had the seven vials full of the seven last plagues, and talked with me, saying, Come hither, and I will show you the bride, the lamb's wife. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great high mountain. And he showed me that great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God. Let me just just pause here for a little bit. This, this, this is, these messages, the last few, uh, I told you last week I felt like I had jumped into the deep water and I needed snorkel and fins just to stay uh, where I could kind of keep up with things because this is, this is different territory uh, that I've been preaching through. And one of the things that we'll see in the message today is just gonna, I'm just going to give you an overview of the city uh, and kind of a description of what some of those things mean in this but the first thing that we see here is that there are one of the seven angels and when looking at this angel, we ask, okay, well, what is his purpose? What was his purpose in coming to John? And we know that he takes him up on a high mountain, but in the past, as a matter of fact, it had been almost a 1,000 years since we had seen an angel. The millennial kingdom, we didn't have anything recorded there. Uh, just now we have this angel coming back, and remember, he's one of the angels who is involved with the seal judgments that led to the trumpet judgments that led to the vile judgments, And you say, why why is this angel back on scene again now? Well, one of the things, and probably the main points of that is, is that he is here to contrast two different cities. You'll remember back when we found in in the last ending parts that the Lord destroys a place called Babylon. And Babylon is going to be a literal city. It's going to be a rebuilt city. But that city was really man city. It was a city that was vile. It was a city that that was sinful. It was a city that was led by human uh, means. It was was a city that rebelled against God, and God completely wipes that city out, completely destroys it. And so now he is comparing the city of Babylon, and he says, but there's coming a city. It is a city that is going to come from God, and this city is not going to have sin in it. It is not going to have any effects of sin. Folks, can you just think for a moment? Just think, I am so disgusted with the current political situation worldwide, not only in the U.S., completely disgusted. It doesn't matter what side of the fence you are on politically, it is a mess. Can I get an amen? Amen. And that is because humans are involved in it. And because humans are involved in it, it is a sinful institution. God may bless that. God may use it, and he will use it for his glory no matter what political institution is there. But there is coming to point that we see with this city, it is not going to be a city that has all the problems that Babylon and every other city has. It is going to be a city where the Lord sits and rules. And because he sits and rules, there, again, no sin, no sorrow no crime no death folks i'm going to tell you what i'm looking forward to that day and if you're not there's an issue of the heart because nobody wants to be involved and see the things that we see on a regular basis and we are fastly approaching that day let me just kind of digress just for a minute because this is something i just heard the other day and and i was kind of amazed by it but I mean, I mean, are, are there some football fans out here? I'm, I'm not a big football fan. I mean, I, I really don't have a dog in the fight. But I know there are some here, right? So let me just tell you of, of how we're at. I'm just using. Anybody guy sort of a guy by the name of Tom Brady? Right? He, he's a big time, big time, right? Just just won the Super Bowl again, leading that team toward that. One of the distressing things that I see that we're moving at a fast rate pace toward this day that God is talking about. We're moving toward a day of the, the coming of the Lord, a day of the tribulation. And you say, well, why is that? It's because one of the things that happens in the last days, you can go and check it out in Scripture, that happens in the last days is the rising of witchcraft. Did you know that's what the Bible says? Did you know that our, our society is permeated with witchcraft? Did you have any clue about that? the shows that you watch, the media that you listen to, or the the songs that you listen to, and you say, well, okay, what does that have to do with the Super Bowl and Tom Brady? Tom Brady's wife is a witch, a professing witch. Did you know that? Did you know that he goes through incantations and does little witchcraft ceremonies prior to the season and during the season so that he is blessed by that, quote-unquote, white magic? Folks, God is trying to get us to open up our eyes he is trying to get us to unplug our ears you see he's coming back and he's coming back sooner than most of God's people even want to realize so again the purpose of the message is to say we we want to dwell we want to think on heaven we want our thoughts to be toward heaven and I believe that we certainly need to be headed that way in the way that we're thinking there is a descending city is the next thing that we see out of the scripture this descending city is described as the bride of the lamb and it is is described this way and in this manner because of those who occupy that city those who occupy the city are the redeemed the the redeemed are those who have placed their faith in the lord jesus christ for their salvation it includes the Old Testament saints, it includes the church age, which we are in now. It will include the tribulation saints, and it will include the millennial saints. So all of those who are making up, why they call it the bride, because the bride will be all of the redeemed from all ages. Now you remember we talked about the Old Testament saints and saying the Old Testament saints are, are saved by faith or were saved by faith just like you and I are saved by faith and how the tribulation saints are saved by faith and the millennials, not the millennials here, the millennial saints in the, from the millennial kingdom. And that is simply by faith. The Old Testament faith, uh, saints were looking forward to what Christ was going to do. We now look back at what Christ has done and so will the tribulation saints and so will the millennial saints. But it is all by faith. Now there's something that is implied there but it is not listed there. Only, only, let me say it again, only those who have placed their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ will be those who enter into that city. You grab that? Let me just back up, look look back in, in chapter 21, and look at verse 8, because here are those who will not enter that city, he says, but the fearful and the unbelieving and the abominable uh, abominable and the murderers and whoremongers, sorcerers, idolaters. By the way, that sorcerers, that, that is that uh, pharmacia, which includes drugs and witchcraft. It says, and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. If you just go down that list, it's saying none of those people will be there. And, you know, I, again, sat with a young man yesterday just talking to him, and he says, you know, he, he was talking about uh, just having faith and, and, and just worrying about, you know, believing in Jesus, and I said, that's all good, that is very good, but it's more than simply believing in Jesus, it is more than that. As a matter of fact, Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice, and what? Follow me. And the problem is is we have have so many people today who simply chime out and say, Oh, I, I believe in Jesus. I even go to church. And that has nothing to do with salvation. It may be an outward expression of what is in your heart. But the truth is there are a great many people who are sitting today in churches who have no relationship with God. Can we get an amen, church? You see, that is is the truth here. He says, those who follow me, those are the ones who will enter into the kingdom of God. Those are the ones who will be in that city. They are the bride of Christ. Then we see this. The angel carries John to a high mountain. It's not a dream that he is having. I I had a dream this morning that woke me up at 4 o'clock. And I'm going to tell you, it had nothing to do with spiritual stuff, I don't think. It might have been that last cookie that I ate last night that I shouldn't have. But this is not a dream for John. He was carried up in the Spirit on top of a high mountain. The dream that John sees is about, or not the dream, but the vision he sees is a city. The angel takes him to this vantage point where he sees the city descend from heaven to earth. That that city, folks, can I just tell you right now, the city that we're speaking of right now, it is there in heaven right now now. And and if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, if you've placed your faith in Christ, that is where you're headed. Listen, I've got relatives, I've got friends, and I probably even have some enemies that are there. But that's where we're headed. And it's a real, literal place. The importance of this statement that he sees that is descending from heaven is ensuring that you and I understand that this city is not of man's making. It is a city that, according to Hebrews chapter 11, and verse to 10, declares, whose architect and builder is God. Now, I love, I was just driving by this morning, and I was looking at where Merrill Hall used to be, You know, and now I don't know what it's called now, if it's still that, if it's just renamed, but you know, just looking at the architecture. But I've loved traveling across the world and seeing something more than a box. And seeing beautiful design. And walking into some buildings. When Ann and I were were in Europe on several occasions, and we would go into some buildings and and just look at the just beauty of that place. Can I just tell you that the architect and builder of the city that you and I are headed to as followers of Jesus Christ, it's going to be the most beautiful architecture that you have ever seen. It's going to be something that you and I simply cannot grab hold of on this side of eternity, even though the Lord here in a moment tries to explain to us through what John sees about this city. It's an amazing city. As a matter of fact, it has a very distinct design. That's our second point, point. and we find that in verses 11 through 21. Bear with me as we read through this, and, and please don't give me a hard time if I mispronounce some of these uh, you know, jewels. If, if you call me out on that, I'm going to have you come up next Sunday and pronounce them right. So we look at verse 11, and we're going to read down through verse 21. Having the glory of God, and her light was like unto the uh, stone most precious, even like jasper stone, clear as crystal. And it had a wall, a, a great wall, and high, and twelve gates. And at the gates were twelve angels, and names were written thereon, which were the names of the twelve tribes of the children of Israel. And on the east gates, and on the north three gates, and on the south three gates, and on the west three gates, and all the city had twelve foundations, and in them the names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb." And that he talked with me and uh, and he that talked with me had a golden reed to measure the city and the gates thereof and the wall thereof. And the city lieth four square, and the length is as large as the breadth breadth, and he measured the city with a reed, twelve thousand furlongs. I'm gonna go back and explain all this. The length and the breadth and the height of it are equal. In other words, it's a cube, thereof a hundred and forty and four cubits according to the measure of man that is of the angel. And the building of the wall of it was of jasper, and the city was pure gold, like unto clear glass. And the foundations of the wall of the city were garnished with all manner of precious stones. The first foundation was jasper, the second sapphire, the third um, calcandone, the fourth emerald, the fifth sardonyx, the sixth sardius, the seventh crystallite, the eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, the tenth uh, uh, chrysophilus, Pharos and the 11th, Jacinth and the 12th, Amethyst. And the 12 gates were 12 pearls. Every every several gate was one of pearl, and the street of the city was pure gold, as it were, transparent glass. Let me stop there and run through. That's a mouthful, right? And by the way, it's even hard to trace what some of these stones were because the names have changed and the actual meanings have changed over time. So we're not even certain about those stones. So don't get wrapped up too much about those, all right? But let's just talk about the greatest distinguishing figure, feature rather, of the city, and that is the glory of God that shines like a beautiful and precious stone. It is the blazing glory of light that will permeate, listen, every structure, every street, and occupant as well. God's glory. Think of the Shekinah glory that Moses saw. You remember that out of the Old Testament? That when he went up to meet with the Lord, the Lord says, you know, he says, I'm just going to cover your face, and I'm just going to allow you to see the afterglow. He says, the hinder parts, the afterglow as I pass by. And we know that after that experience that, he, that Moses had had, when he came down off of that mountain, anybody remember what he had to do? He had to to cover his face with a veil because the the brightness of his face was so amazing. And that was just looking at the afterglow of God, that it completely changed his countenance. Folks, can I tell you something? Some of y'all need to get a little bit of the glow of God so that the countenance can change. Some of God's people walk around and they act like and, and look like that, that they're, they're more disturbed by the world than they ought to be looking toward the greatness of heaven. We ought to be the ones who shine with the glory of God so that when people look at our lives and they would say, what is different about you? Why do you have a different opinion? Why do you have a different outlook than the rest of the world right now? I, and I will say, man, I am happy to tell you because I'm on my way to a place that my Savior Has prepared for me and folks one of these days that we're going to be able to see him in all of his glory we won't have to have a shield from that we will be able with these glorified bodies that are raised up on that last day we will be able to be in his presence absorbing every bit of that glory and his radiance will shine from our lives as well Wow there are a couple of people that are saved here You know, the problem, I believe, with some of God's people is we don't really believe this. We see it as a story. It's going to happen. It is already there. Can I tell you about the glory of God further? Paul had an encounter on the road to Damascus. And when he was on the way to Damascus, he had an encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Shekinah glory of God, who Jesus is, was so bright that he fell on his face and he was blinded by that light. That's the glory that we're talking about, shining through this this city. It's the light of God. It's the glory of God. Now, think about this, too. The city had great high walls and gates. And this emphasizes that the city is real. When we get to arrive at our, at our home in heaven, there are going to be walls and there are going to be gates. A little more to follow on this subject. But the point of that is for us to realize this is a literal place. You're going to be able to go up and put your hand on it. It's real. And the reason it's real is because the Lord says that he, in this description... He uses the description and measurements of man. Let me me just talk about some of those. There are going to be 12 gates there all bearing the names of the 12 tribes of Israel. You say, well, what's that all about? Why why is that there? There's three gates on each side of the city uh, with the names of the tribes there. This teaches us the continuity of God's covenant promise to Israel. He has made a promise to Israel, and he will fulfill that promise. By the way, we're not a church that believes that Israel is out of the picture. As a matter of fact, as the church age dies out, Israel becomes the center point. And unfortunately, there's a lot of anti-Semitism going on in the church today. Well, these 12 gates that are there three on each side, and teaches us again the continuity of God's promise to Israel. It is, uh, it is also a picture of the tabernacle in the wilderness, which was a shadow of the things to come. Remember when they, when they camped in the wilderness, you had the three, or the four, or the three, 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 three. And by the way, if you ever were to go through and look at all the numbers in each one of those tribes, and you were a, to do a, a uh, aerial photo, of if they had drones back then, and you flew a drone over the top of israel's encampment you know what you would see you would see the encampment in the shape of a cross with god in the very center at the tabernacle picture of a cross god you see the continuity of god throughout scripture it has not changed jesus has been center from the very beginning so the 12 tribes of israel there god dwelling with his people it says that there are are 12 foundational stones and they have the 12 apostles' names written on it. Did you know that, just think of this, that the Bible tells us this in Ephesians 2.20, that the gospel is built on the teaching of the apostles and the prophets. Isn't that unique that God would use stones with the apostles' names on them, 12 of them, three on each side as foundational stones around? Because he says, listen, my message Is built on what they have taught by the way which says Jesus was the chief cornerstone I had somebody tell me recently and saying that talking about another pastor who's very popular these days I believe he's very popular but I believe he's very wrong and he says that doctrine is not important listen can I tell you what doctrine is important if you don't have doctrine what you have is you have people playing at church you have the church that has a form of godliness but there is no power in it i'm thankful going back to just saying this you know earlier that uh, i'm thankful for the year 2020 and 2021 because it's, it's changing things god is in the process of sifting and shifting He's sifting the church, and there are going to be those who come out of that sifting who are strong in their faith, and those who are not real are going to steadily just fall away. Can I tell you how great it is to see young people in their college age here? It gives me great hope. But listen, I believe this. No matter... God is going to call a group of people out. He has always had a group of people who are faithful to the teaching of his word and will follow him at all cost. You know what? Christianity ought to cost something. You know, we don't even pay and I'm, I'm, maybe I'm a little off key this morning but did you, do you realize that, that when, when Paul says, he says I want to know you in the fellowship of your resurrection and, and we all say yes, amen, but how many of us also would follow on with the rest of that verse and say I want to know you in your suffering. There's a cost to following Christ but the price is worth it. Well, these apostles did that. They gave everything up and they followed him and God has honored them in eternity by their names and scripted on the foundation of that great city. Can I tell you what? You don't do one single thing as a follower of Christ that it is not logged into your account. And God says, if you gave a cup of water. Every feeble prayer that you have prayed, every stumbling sentence you've tried to witness, God says, I have accounted it to you. Amen. Every faithful time in church, every prayer that you have prayed, every sin that you've grieved over, God says, I have taken note and I will reward you in eternity for it. That's a great thought, folks. It's not a great thought. It's a great promise. Well, those 12 walls that are there bearing those names, those foundation stones bearing the names of the apostles. Let me give you the dimensions of the city. This is an amazing thing. First of all, the height, the length, and the width are all the same. In other words, it's a cube. There are some who think, well, it's a pyramid. Now, I don't think it's a pyramid because pyramids are usually associated with paganism. So it's a cube that is there. And when we look at that, and I just want you to see the dimension of that, each wall is approximately 1,380 miles long. So you have 1,380 miles in length, and then width is 103, 1,380 miles wide. So you've got the city squared, with 1,380 miles, the thickness of the walls are 72 yards thick. And think about that. That's that's like going out here to the football stadium, and it's almost the thickness is almost the length of the football field. That's that's a pretty good size wall. You know, I've been around some, but I've never seen anything like that. If we were to Take the new Jerusalem and superimpose Jerusalem on the map of the U.S. It would stretch from Canada to Mexico and from Colorado to the Atlantic Ocean. And that's just in the land base. Now you're talking about 1,380 miles high. Folks, we're talking about a big, big city. Now, I'm going to give you a few more dimensions that are calculated. I don't know if they're exact. I don't think any of us know exactly, you know, uh, how much land that you and I will have when we get into heaven, but Dr. Morris has estimated that every person in that city will have a cube of 75 acres, 75 acres on every side. That that comes out to be about 200 and some acres per person. You talk about a garden. I mean, that's a great little spot. And, And that's in the city. That's it. We're not even talking about the new earth. We're just talking about the new city setting on a new earth. Now, folks, I, I told you last week, I love, I love traveling, I love adventures, and, and I can't wait for all the adventures that will be awaiting us when we get to this city. Randy Alcorn's calculations put it about that each person will have two square miles each that they will dwell in. Pretty good. How, how many of you guys lived in an apartment before you know, all these college students, I'm sure they have, you know. You're talking about a little cube. We're talking about a big cube. We're, we're talking about a great place to live. And since we're going to have glorified bodies there, our travel will not be limited just to horizontal. We will be able to travel vertically as well. So we're talking 1,380 miles. I mean, Truman may be up on the top, you know, top of the city, and I think, you know, I think I'll just pop in and see Truman. You know, and people say, well, you know, you're being silly. No, I'm not being silly. I'm using my imagination to think what it's going to be like in heaven, to be able to instantaneously be places, to be able to see a new heaven created, a new earth created. I love this earth that we have, but it is tragically tainted with sin. But there's going to be a day that we're going to be able to walk in this earth, and it's going to be beautiful beyond anything that you and I have ever, ever imagined. It says that the foundation will be made of precious stones, and through these stones the glory of God will shine in a spectacle of color as it shines through the universe. I I love, uh, Ann Ann loves fireworks. I'm, I'm not a big guy on fireworks, but I do like colors. I like seeing a lot of color. But can you imagine through these precious stones as the glory of God shines through them and they refract his brilliance throughout the universe? It's going to be something. I love looking at pictures out of the, the Hubble telescope. And, and, and I think that, you know, we're, we as men met last year and we, we just looked at that. I think we even showed one of the films here. And, and every time we, we get a telescope that's stronger than the one we have, we're able to see further into the universe. Just when we think there's no end, we find out, no, there is more. And can I tell you what? God says he's gonna uncreate that and recreate a new one. Think about it, saints. You say, what's the point on that? I don't want you to get so excited about the universe and the earth. What I want you to get excited about is the glory of God Amen. I want you to get excited about him because he's the one who is doing it all It says this is this is one of my favorite parts about the description here there will be gates of pearl it's interesting gates of pearl we've had stones all of these stones precious stones and we gave a long list of them but the gates are made of Pearl. By the way, the gates are always open. They're never closed. I know there's some guys here that have been downrange, and you've been been in some of those villages, and always there are gates, because they close the gates up at night so that the enemies can't come in. That that picture has not changed in in the Mideast from that day. But in heaven, the gates are always open. But I want you to pay attention to why the Pearl gates, and I believe that this is a great reason, and I, and I think this was Dr. Morris again saying that, that it is a reminder of Christ's suffering. You say, How? How is a pearl formed? An oyster gets an irritant, and it basically wounds that oyster. And because that oyster is wounded, it develops that pearl. And in something that has been wounded, out of that, something beautiful is produced. And I believe that as we walk back and forth through those gates, and by the way, it says those gates are about 1,400 miles high. Isn't that crazy? And as we walk through those gates that are open, we see these beautiful pearl gates that are guarded by an angel It will be a constant reminder to us, the redeemed, that our Savior suffered, bled, and died on our behalf. We don't want to forget that now. But it will be a reminder in heaven that it is Him, Him, that makes it possible for us to be there. It goes on further to say there will be no need for a temple because there is no need for light. There will be no place that the Lord is not. Therefore, there will be no place that his light does not shine. Think about that. No darkness, no fear, no stumbling. It will be a place of continual worship and fellowship with the Lord and with one another. We, Ann and I, took a tour some years back. We had a friend of ours who was a a park ranger uh, at Jewel Cave in South Dakota. And we went down, I can't remember, I don't know how far down, long ways down into the earth. And he wanted to show us how dark it was. And so he just turned the lights off as we were down underneath the earth. And folks, you couldn't see your hand in front of you. You see, where Christ is not, there's darkness. But where Christ is at, there is no darkness. No fear, no stumbling. Continual worship. The nations will all be under God's rule and care. It says the kings are going to come in there. They'll leave their glory. All people will lay their glory at the feet of Christ and worship of him. That's one of the things I have thought about a lot. Because the Bible says we're going to have rewards. It says we'll have crowns. But folks, I believe just as, as the scripture says, we're going to lay our crowns at his feet. You know, because what's going to be important is not that we have reward from the Lord. What's going to be important is that we're in his presence. To be loved by him. Most of us are fortunate that somebody loves us. But you will never be loved like you're loved by God. And we just have a taste of it now. But when we get to heaven, it's going to be it's going to be all encompassing. It will it will be overwhelming to I, I think I read to you about uh, a couple of weeks ago, maybe even last week of that back in in Scotland in the 1830s when that when a man was praying and, and he got up and it was just his face was white. He left without saying a word. And a couple of days later, uh, his his pastor friend he says, "What was wrong? Was there something wrong?" And he says, "No, I was just overwhelmed by the love of God." He says, "I felt that if I didn't get up and leave, that His love would be over so overwhelming. I would have." died. Don't you want that? Don't you long for that? Folks, that's that's what the outpouring of the Spirit is. It's not about doing cheetah flips up and down aisles and jumping over aisles. When you're filled with the Spirit, it's an overwhelming sense of God's love. It's the fruit of the Spirit. Well, the gates will always be open because we'll be eternally secure there. Let me close out with just a divine life. Chapter 22 verses 1 through 5 tells us about that, and you can go back and read the rest of the scriptures there that I was not able to get to, but let me just read these. And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the midst of the street of it and on either side of the river was there the tree of life, which bare twelve manner of fruits and yielded her fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. And they shall see his face, and his name shall be on their foreheads. And there shall be no night there, and they will not need a candle, neither light of the sun, for the Lord giveth them light. Now listen to this. And they shall reign forever and ever. That's a pretty good exchange, saints. That's a pretty good deal. And when we think about that, let me just give you a couple of thoughts along these lines. This river that is of life that flows through the middle of the city. It represents eternal life. It is never-ending. It is pure, and it emanates from the Lord. I could go on on several things like that. There is no salvation in any other name other than the name of Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen? Amen. You see, eternal life only comes from Christ. And unfortunately, we're moving into a time and to the apostate church that says, just coexist There are many ways to heaven. Folks, there is not many ways. There is one way. and Jesus says, I am that way. And no man comes to the Father except through me. And that life emanates from him. The tree of life that is there, there will be unending blessing and nourishment from the Lord. It will be new and refreshing and invigorating I don't know if we what we'll eat I don't even know if we eat in heaven it will be for pure enjoyment it won't be because we need to it will be just because the Lord wants us to enjoy what he's provided because see he is the source of life and that life comes from him the end of the curse there will be no more sorrow there will be no more pain but only blissful joy I told you a couple of weeks ago it's, it's rare that I ever preach a funeral that I don't weep during that funeral part of it I think the Lord just does that to keep me humble but I think the greater part is this is that I see a family grieving and I cannot help but grieve with them even though that they're a follower of Christ and even knowing that they're going to be with the Lord there's still grief And I'm looking forward to the day that we will step on these streets of gold and walk there, and there will be no curse. There will be no death. We will serve the Lord there. Now, for some folks, that's going to be a shocker because they hadn't got around to serving the Lord here. But that's what you're made for. Down here is simply a warm-up. You're, can, I, can I say this too? You're needed in the body of Christ because you're here to help your brother and sister become what God's called them to be. It's called edifying other believers. It's lifting them up, and you do that with your spiritual gifts to help them, and they do that with their spiritual gifts to help you. Great place for an amen. His mark will be on us. That's a great thought. A little bit of contrast of Mark of the Beast. His mark's on us. By the way, his mark is on you now. That's a good thought. Did you know that? Did you know that there's a mark on you? That if you belong to him, we can't see it. I wish we could. Then I could bypass that one and go to the person who needs to hear the gospel. And we will reign with him forever and ever. I don't know what we're going to be doing, but I guarantee you this, it will be the most fulfilling thing you will ever do. Noah, you're going to go fly helicopters. One of these days, brother, I mean, that's, that's fun. I love flying in helicopters. Jumped out of helicopters. Didn't like it. Did it for 30 years. But there's going to be a day that we're going to be with him, and the joy that you receive in the work that you do right now, it is just a tiny fraction of the joy you will receive in serving him for eternity. Amen. Amen. You may be here this morning and you don't know this Jesus that we're talking about. That's fine. We want to take the opportunity to tell you about him. And it's more than coming down and filling out a card. It's not about coming down and saying, I want to belong to a church. It's about turning from your sin, turning to God in order to serve him. That's 1 Thessalonians 1.9. That you turn from your idols to God to serve him. That's salvation. It's being a follower. He says, again, my sheep hear my voice, and they follow me. I will tell you this, there's nothing you will leave behind that you will regret when you come to Christ. Would you stand to your feet and folks of y'all come on up and we're going to sing. If you'd like to come and pray this, this morning, please, want to invite you to come to the altar to pray. You can pray in your seat where you're at. If there's somebody you need to talk to, we would encourage you. We have deacons, we have our ladies here who would pray with you, anybody. I'm here to pray with you as well, but uh, let's do that now. And again, if you want to come and pray as we sing, feel free. Uh, otherwise, uh, pray right where you're at. Worship the Lord this morning as we dismiss with the song, all right? Father, we are grateful once again to be in your presence. Thank you so much for your holy word. It is divine. It is good. It is right. And Father, everything that you bring into our life is for your glory and for our good. We, we readily admit that. Lord, we would say this morning that there is nothing that we can do in and of ourselves We rely on you, and Holy Spirit, now, I commit your word and your people and those that are hearing this morning right here and those on Facebook, God, I commit them to your care and that you would do only the things that you're able to do that no man is able to do in our hearts, and we pray this in Christ Jesus' name, amen.